0: you can open up to Luke chapter 17. If you don't, you can open up your app. Um, Son, uh, there's definitely a crackling noise big time in one of the speakers. I don't know if you can eliminate it. Um, And um, let's look at Luke chapter 17, verse 5. It says this, And the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea. And it would obey you. So much here, but let just let me just unpack it for just a little bit, right here for just a moment. Um, <clears throat> first they ask for him to increase their faith, and he says, You've got some faith, and it may seem little, it may seem as small as a mustard seed. How many have ever seen a mustard seed before? Not, okay, a lot of you have. Very small, so small that if we drop it on the carpet, very difficult to find it. Tiny little seed. And But you plant that seed and it actually gets so big that it actually produces branches so birds can nest in the branches. So interesting how something so small can actually become something so big. And that's what he's saying. He said, your faith is like that. And then he goes a step further and says, and when you got faith like that, though it be small, you can say something. You can speak something. You can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots. Now, how many knows that when anything gets pulled up by the roots, you've only got a small window of time to repot it or to replant it? Does that make sense to you? So you got to get it in the ground pretty quick. Otherwise, it's going to what? It's going to die, right? So actually, the moment it gets pulled up by the roots, it's already in the death process. So it's got to be transplanted pretty quickly. So that's understood. But then it goes further and says, okay, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled by the roots. And be planted where? In the sea. Now, it doesn't take rocket science or biologist scientists to figure this out. That trees don't grow in the sea. You can't plant a tree in the sea. Uh, It wouldn't last very long. It would die because it's just not meant to do that. It's meant to be in the soil for it to be able to produce. And for it to be able to come into full fruition. But Jesus said, you can take something and unplant it and you can plant it into an unfamiliar place or a an environment it doesn't even belong in and jesus said it will grow and it will obey you that lets me know that i can speak a word come on church in faith that doesn't even make any common sense. When the doctor gives me a report and says you got six months to live, that may, that may be what the report says and that may be the fact, but it's not the truth. The truth is whatever I say, come on, according to God's word, by his stripes, I'm healed. And when I say that, life comes and lives in that territory, in that environment. Are you all flowing with me so far? So Jesus said you can turn, you can turn everything around. With, I mean everything, everything, your whole environment can be turned around by just a little bit of faith, a mustard seed, seed size of faith. In other words, an impossibility with your faith becomes possible. And little becomes much in your life because uh, it's within the kingdom of God. Because everything in the kingdom of God starts with a seed. Seed, time, harvest. You plant the seed. The farmer waits patiently for the harvest to come. Then the harvest comes and he reaps the harvest. And and now he has more seed to be able to put into the ground. Jesus said that's what the kingdom of God is very much like. So so everything starts out small but can become very large in your life. That, that, That has been the story of this church from our very inception. We did not have a large backing. We did not have um, um, a, a, a large following of people that, you know, that, that that came with us to the city or we didn't have a staff. Um, we didn't have uh, any money for a building. Nobody helped us out that way. You know, we didn't have a lot of the talent people, talent people come, you know, for children's ministry or, or, or praise and worship. Matter of fact, my wife was the children's minister and I was the praise and worship minister. Um, but we had some faith. And all we had was a little room on my credit card to be able to go and and to get into a, um, a little uh, tiny room that held about 30, 40 people at um, the uh, Howard Johnson's on Layton, now I think it's the airport inn. And um, and they were just ready to honestly remodel the whole place in there. But So we had the old 50-style room and beat-up chairs, you know, the old banquet chairs and that kind of stuff. And that's what, that was what we had church in. So we didn't have all of that. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with all that. Matter of fact, I think that's incredible. I want to raise up people, sons and daughters within this ministry that we can finance, come on, and send them to another city and cut off about five years of their time. I think that's smart, actually. Uh, but that that wasn't our story it started very small it started with what we had and you can one thing after another one uh, situation after another in our church was the same way. Heartbreak Hotel was a major event that we put on, uh, production uh, that was a soul-winning event, and and we did it for many many years. And we only had thirty thirty-five people or so that were coming to our church, and we had every single one of them committed to be in it, and their friends, and their neighbors, and any visitor that came to our church. And it was a look-alike deal where you look like Dolly Parton or you look like uh, uh, El- uh, not John. What I get I forget, uh, look like Elvis. Um, who else did we have? Charlie Daniels, those are some of the old time. What were the newer ones though? We had, uh, huh? All of them, praise God. We had all of them and, and they, would, they would come in and um, they would lookalikes and then we had one side, we had Heartbreak Hotel, the other side we had Hotel Hallelujah. So we had Christian act lookalikes and so we had secular acts that alike, and they're lip syncing and it was amazing. And, um, and we'd put it on with 30, 35 people. And I didn't have nothing, had no money, had no props, Nothing all the people I asked them to make their own costumes, go to Goodwill, find it out, figure it out, come back. We didn't have a sound system, we had to add to our sound, so I had no lights, I had to borrow somebody's lights, a DJ's lights. He asked them if we could put them in our ceiling for about 3 4 weeks, we did that. I mean, we were just making it work. In other words, we were doing what we could with what we had. We didn't say no to God because we simply didn't have enough. I want you to look at uh 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1 a certain woman of the wise of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha this woman was a church woman her husband was a prophet one of the sons of the prophets so she knew all about she knew all about God and his ways elisha said your servant my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the lord And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. I bet she was thinking, I need to borrow the full kind of vessels, not those empty kind. I need some help around here. But he said, go get the empty ones. He's asking her to take a risk of faith. Do not gather just a few, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels. That little bit of oil, start pouring it into the vessels. That still blows my mind. And set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought out the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. Very practical, based on a supernatural miracle. Go sell the oil and pay your debt. She got into the oil business. And you and your sons live on the rest. Looks to me like this woman got a turnaround in her life. She went from, oh, my God, what am I going to do? They're taking my boys away. I got no way to pay my debt to go on to uh, Hawaii and live it for the rest of her life. Come on, somebody say amen. She lived on the rest of the money. The man of God asked her, what do you have? Seems like a really ridiculous question to ask because the woman just got done saying, I, I have been able to pay my bills. Help me because they're coming to take my boys away to work the, pay, the debt off in, in, in debtor's prison. And she's beside herself. She's distraught. She's discouraged. And the man of God says, what do you have? This woman, no doubt, walked through her house a million times before he ever asked that question, looking for anything. Maybe her husband had a little bit of money behind the cupboard or, or, or under a floorboard or, or looking for anything. I mean, she probably went through that house with a fine-tooth comb, so to speak, in order to find something that she could pay that debt off so her boys wouldn't be taken to prison and they could live, right? But she, she, he asked her, what do you have anyways? And she came up with the answer, nothing. Her first answer reply was nothing. Be careful when you say you have nothing. It's not that you have nothing, it's that what you do have has been labeled not enough to fix your problem. And when we look at what we have, we're going to always be discouraged because it's not enough to take care of our situation or planning for the vision that we have or whatever it may be. So we don't look at the thing. We look at what we know God's word says about the thing, which changes the thing forever to give us the supplement or the increase we need to take care of the problem that we're involved in. I can't say that twice. Amen. So... This is interesting to me. He asked a question he should have already known the answer to, but he asked it by faith. Men of God are not to look at the people and determine, well, there's not enough there to take care of anything because, after all, they don't have anything, and that's just the way it is. In other words, he's got to look beyond that. He's got to see the way God sees and go, wait a second. We all got something. I don't care if it's small. And that little bit can change my life forever. I'm preaching real good right now. How can two people who have no laboratory, no scientific background, no biological training, no DNA understanding, no money, no house, no job, and no common sense make a baby? You know why? Because it only takes a seed. got to understand how it works if i want a baby i gotta knock boots somebody say amen yeah. <laughs> religious folk in the house today acting all solidified. a seed is all you'll ever need and a human life can come into the picture it's the same thing in the kingdom of god the man who gave his servants the talents. He said, one, I give you five. To another, I give you two. To another, I go, I give you one. I'm going away. I'll come back to collect what's mine. So he goes and gives the guy five. And he comes back. And he says, number five, come here. What you got? He said, I'm not number five no more. I'm number 10. Because I, I, twi- I went and invested the money. And I made twice as much back. And here it is. He said, my God, my, they're a faithful servant. Man, enjoy the rest of my kingdom. I mean, you're incredible. Hey, number two, what you got? Sir, I'm number four now because I, I doubled your money. I went and I, I, I invested it, and, and I, 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 I jumped out and took the risk, and, and here it is. He said, man, you're incredible. I mean, just go and join my kingdom. You're an incredible man. He goes, number one, what's up? What you got? Yay. What do you mean, hey? He said, all I got is one. I, I, I was afraid, and, and I, I knew you to be austere. In other words, a real strong businessman, you know. And, 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 and so, I, in other words, he didn't have a relationship with him. He really didn't know who he was. He just assumed he was going to be mean and, tough and he said he said and so and so uh you know i went and i hid it i buried it in the ground so i wouldn't lose it but here it is i got it back for you he said you wicked and you lazy servant get out of my kingdom that's what you that's what your loving savior said that was his parable in other words he said you did not take the risk of faith i didn't care if you came back and said i lost it all but i tried well son at least you tried at least you got out there and did you weren't lazy And I said this in the first service. I said this in the first service. That's why we get this comparison game. Because we only have one talent. How come they got five talents and all I got is one talent? And you never do anything for God because you ain't got five talents. I don't care if you only got one talent. Use the one talent you got with all you got and give God glory with it. And take some risk in your life and get some increase. I told the first service. I said, "Be like me, saying, you know, how come uh, Stephen Ferdic man he got a bigger church than me, and he, he never has any problems? You know, that's a lie, anyways. And and he got all the money and in the world. how come I'm over here? And uh, you know, why? I don't care what Steve. I should never even worry about TD Jakes or or, or 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 Joel Osteen. That that God, may, he may give them five. He only gave me one. That's fine. I'm gonna take what I got. <laughs> Two fish and five loaves can feed a multitude." If you hoard it, you lord it. So where's God in it? But if you plant it, he'll grant it. And just like this man who invested in his servants, God invests in his people. It may seem small, but it can turn into something beautiful. It can turn into something huge and be a source that will continue to feed you and your family for a long, long, long time. Church, we invest in what we love. That's a given, that's an automatic. If you love something, you'll invest into it. If you don't love it, you'll never give toward it. Whatever you love, you give toward. If you love your spouse, you give toward your spouse. you love your kids, you give toward your kids. If you love your church, you give to your church. If you love God, you give toward God. See, whatever you love, you invest in. And what do we invest? It's simple. We invest all of us. And what is all of us? Our time, our talent, and our treasures. Our time our talent, and our treasure. Look what Psalms 23.1 says. This is where David gushes over God and he yields himself to, to God. He yields everything to him. Declaring him to be the one who is in control. He said, you are my shepherd. In other words, I'm done being my own shepherd, lording over my own life, trying to find my own way. You're my shepherd. Wherever you lead me, I will go. Wherever you guide I'm going to be right behind you. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Get that in your spirit today. If God becomes your everything, if you give your time, your talent, and your treasure to God, and he's really your shepherd and you're really the sheep you'll never want for anything the rest of your life. I don't care what, if it's love, relationship, money, security, happiness, joy, whatever it might be, he'll supply your every need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Um, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteous for his name's sake. yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I gave everything to you. You're going to give everything to me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now look where he says he's going to invest. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, so where do we invest? In the house of God. Why do you think most Christians on a Sunday are completely tempted all the time to stay home? Because the devil knows that through their, investment, their greatest investment is in the house of God. That's where God shows up strong in their life. Amen. So why do we invest in the house of God? It's the gathering of God's people. It's where lives are transformed and forever changed. It's where we receive our marching orders from the Almighty. It's where we receive the vision that God has set forth for us in our city. It's where we have fellowship with our brothers and our sisters for sustained encouragement for the week. It's where the Word of God is preached and our faith is built up. It's a command of Scripture to assemble ourselves together even more as we see the day approach. It's where we plant... So the Bible says we're planted so we can bloom and flourish. It's where we have corporate praise and worship, and God inhabits our praises. It's where the power of God is released. One can put a thousand for sure, but two can put 10,000 to flight. It's where the river <laughs> flows, according to Jer- Jeremiah, and we get swept away by the current of God's glory. It's where generations of family members are blessed, healed, delivered, saved, and restored, and encouraged. It's where our city has a place of focus to know who God is. They may never know my name or your name, but they hear the name of faith builders. It's a place where they can go. It's a visual aid. It's a, it's a place where they can say, oh, that's what God does. It's where God meets his people with angelic activity, according to Jacob. Remember Jacob's ladder? How he fell asleep, anointed the pillow, of his rock, the rock for his head as a pillow. And when he went to sleep, he had a dream. And above his head, the heavens opened, the window of heaven opened. And he saw a ladder, At the top of the ladder, God was at the top of the ladder. And angels were ascending and descending on that ladder. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. This is the house of God. Angels are in this place right now. The church is what Jesus loved so much that he gave himself for her, according to Ephesians chapter 5. The church is where souls are saved. This is a soul winning church. I don't need to tell you that, but if you've been you're new here, you have to understand something. Thousands, I'm not talking hundreds, I'm talking thousands of people have given their life because of this ministry in the city to Jesus Christ. I want to share this with you. This is out of the Amplified Bible. Did you guys get the version by chance? The version? Yeah, good. This is Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Remember this. He who sows sparingly, remember everything starts with the seed, small. He who sows sparingly, will... uh and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly and he who sows generously that that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings let each one give as he has uh, made up his own mind and purposed in his heart not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion for God loves he takes pleasure in prizes above uh, other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so you may always under all circumstances, whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God loves it when we cheerfully, not made to do it, but cheerfully give unto him. Don't even have to ask me, Lord, whatever it is I'm going to give because that's what I, I love you. I love your church and I'm going to give because that's who I am. I'm a giver. Everybody say self-sufficient. Self-sufficient means everything you need you already have. And now you're not you're not you're not self-reliant because self-reliant means you don't need anybody else but you. That's not true. Self-sufficient means I'm I'm relying, all right, but I'm relying on one, God alone. I'm not relying on another man because man can't fulfill my needs. But God can always, come on, take care of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I I can get that by him every single time. Well, every one of us that are born again have the spirit of God living inside of us. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So he lives and abides inside of you. So everywhere you go, everything you need, you're self-sufficient because he lives in you. Come on, church. Whether that's a solution to a problem or a financial breakthrough or a miracle that comes your way. Either way, it's because you're self-sufficient. That's where God wants us to get to. Church, everything we need in this church for the vision God's given us is already in this church. This is it. This is the church. There's a miracle in this house. Just like there was a miracle for the woman in 2 Kings. And she said, I've got nothing but a little jar of oil. That's all. it, It just takes a little. And God does the rest. He does the miracle. We are going to raise all that we need and more for our online campus. It's going to happen. Every bit of it. Some of you, God has been speaking to you to increase your pledge, whatever you pledge. Some us, I felt this this morning. I put this together. Not I put it together yesterday. But I, I felt this morning as I was reviewing it. I felt strongly to just say, go for it. If God says, give more, give more. Just do it. Just go for it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So obviously your faith is being lifted up. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. The man of God told the woman to go borrow vessels, but not one, not a few, he said. Go borrow as many as you can. Go for it. Get your faith out there. Faith is a positive expectation of what you believe is going to happen. God has given this church a mandate to take his gospel beyond the four walls of this church that they may hear the sound of revival and respond to him. Will we answer the call? That's the question. Will we do it? When my wife and I came to Milwaukee, like I said, we did everything because we gave what we could. And church, it's because we had a dream. Well, we have a dream here at Faith Builders. And you're a part of that dream. We want, we want to preach the gospel to the world. And one of those ways that we do it is through a lens of a camera and the technology of the Internet, which, by the way, is free. I've been on television. It's not all what it's cracked up to be. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of money. And I said, Lord, I, I have no desire whatsoever to go back on television. None. Zero. I have no desire for that church. Uh, it, you know, once you've done it, it's like, okay, now what's next? It's not that thrilling to me. What's thrilling to me now is doing what God's asking me to do in Milwaukee, what God's asking me to do right here and we have so many pastors, they just can't wait to get their face on a billboard. My God. Can't wait to get their name on a tag on, a, on their desk or an emblem on their, on their door. Like that's some big deal. Church, I don't care about none of that stuff. I just want God to be lifted up. And the only way for us to do that is if we all come together and pool our time, our talent, and our treasure And he told me to do this. I wouldn't do it otherwise. And raise the money so we can go online. If it don't come in, we won't go on. Period. But I'm believing God that it's not just going to come in. We're going to have $25,000 that's going to come in. I'm believing God for that. I don't care who didn't show up today. I'm believing God. That's where my faith is. We are self-sufficient. We can get the job done. All we've done thus far is because of this church. We didn't have any outside help, none. It's just this church. Even when I was a kid, I knew that. I was telling the first service. Even when I was a kid, I was never broke. Broke is a mentality. People walk around, I I can't do that, I'm broke. Quit saying I'm broke. You'll have what you say. uh, Poverty is a mentality. Well, not the people that live there. I'm telling you, the people that decide to not have the mentality, the people that get up out of there. For some people, it's harder than others. No doubt about it. Just means God's going to give you more grace and favor to get it accomplished. And so, it's a a mindset. And I was a kid. I said, Dad, I want this. He said, well, son, no problem. You can have it if you want it. But you got to work for it. I'm not going to give you the money. Little guy. And so... He give me little jobs, and I learned. Don't even ask Dad anymore. He said I ran out of jobs. <laughs> I can't give you more money. And so I learned a long time ago: if I wanted to get something, I had to go work for it. So work for me was just a means to an end to get the cash in my pocket, go do what I wanted to do. So I was, I, I just, I, I just understood. And if, if you, if you look at jobs as like nothing's beneath you, if you're willing to work hard, you will. Be, every need will be supplied. I promise you. God will take that little bit and make it something, something great. But we live in a generation today, man, they want something for free. They don't want to work for nothing. They want to sit back and be on the computer all day and just get paid for that. That's nonsense. You got to work, 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 work. The Bible says, for Christians, the Bible says, if you don't work, you can't eat. Got 10 amens. Praise God. I don't want your hand in my pocket. If I'm going to bless you, it's because I want to bless you. Don't be taking money out of my pocket. That's called thievery. That's called being, that's, that's, you're stealing now. Now you're stealing. I want everybody to be supplied with the ability to work. And when I was a kid, I thought, well, I want this. So me and my buddy, I was nine. He was 10 years old. And we're going we want to, we want to buy these uh, Nikes, these shoes. So they were, they, were, they, were, they were bad. They were the latest thing back in those days. They were, they were tough. So, but they are going to cost a lot of money. So we went in, we pulled our money together, and went to. We were at a garage sale, and we bought an old lawnmower. When I say an old lawnmower, I'm not talking about the kind. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one with no motor on it. You ever hear those? Click, 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 click. And we bought one of those things. It was busted up, and we pulled our money together, five bucks a piece or whatever it was, and we bought it. And we took it back to this garage, man. And we 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 oiled it up and got it working good. And we started making the blades nice and sharp. You know, we got it looking good and, and working correctly. And we started knocking on doors. Hi, we're here, Uh, if you'd like to have your lawn mower, we'll mow your lawn for whatever it was, three, four, five bucks, whatever it was. And they'd say, sure. And man, we clip lawns, man, every 30 minutes, bang, we're making four four or five bucks, four or five bucks. I mean, now that we paid it off real fast, but now we got money in our pockets, so we go to Shakey's Pizza. Come on, someone say amen. Oh, Mojo potatoes, hallelujah. Love Mojo. And so, and so, and we would go, we have everything we wanted. And when I ran out of the, those ideas, and then when the wintertime would come, and you couldn't even mow the lawns anymore. And we would go, and guess what? We would go and get our shovels, and we'd go shovel people's driveway. Why? Because my mom and dad were not going to give me no money unless I was willing to work for it. So we would knock on doors. We had a couple old beat up shovels, and we say, "Can we shovel?" I remember the year '78 and '79 when we had that that incredible blizzard that hit through Milwaukee and Rockford and Chicago, and we all got we got snow up. And literally, remember, we could you can literally walk off of your roof onto the snow bank. I mean, it was like what the heck? I mean, and we were snow. I mean, we're talking about banks now, and we're little kids, and we could barely go over the by the banks, and we're shoveling, man, five bucks a pop, bang, and they said well, son, you know, we, you know, we got a snowblower. But, you know, my husband gets home. He'll gonna, he's going to do it. And I said, well, I, I, would you like to have your, your bushes shook? What does that mean? Well, you know, you got your bushes there. They're all hanging low. And, and that weight could break those branches. We'll shake them for you. She said, sure, I'll give you a quarter. Now we have a bush business. Come on, somebody. And we're shaking bushes. And we're making quarters. Come on. And when I didn't have that job, come on, somebody. I would say, you know what? We're going to have a little uh, lunch at McDonald's or whatever. So we go down to the railroad tracks and we go collect those bottles. Come on. And now you get what? Five cent deposit on each bottle. You clang, 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 walking down the street. Come on. And you return them and you got yourself a couple bucks a piece. And now you go to McDonald's. Never broke. Never. Always self sufficient. If you're willing, <laughs> broke is a mentality. Broke is a mentality. Amen. We are in the time of atonement, and the blessing comes during this season. Without a-